Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of technology, media, and business in Asia. The show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desks. And Linkshus, the place where you can sell your products everywhere. Hi, Edith. Hi, Bernard. Thank you for having me. Well, we are actually sitting here in a cafe in Hotel Ibis, and I'm talking to Edith Young a partner from 500 Startups, and she's here in Singapore for the Echelon Conference, right? Yep, I'm very excited to be here. It's a really, really warm summer day. <laughs> it is not the first time you're in Singapore. I've been here many times, uh, I've, but having said that, the last time I came here was probably about two, three years ago. You came by then actually for Dolphin Browser, which you work on, right? Uh, yes, and in fact, I visited uh, Yinglan from Sequoia this morning again. Um, Dolphin was a Sequoia-backed company. And when I first came here, th- I think three years ago, we were also exploring developing the Southeast Asia market for Dolphin. Mm. Um, so I actually came over and with a lot of support from Sequoia. We actually was hiring people, you know, looking to set up offices, and then like did some events locally in Singapore. Mm. So prior to that, how did you actually get started in technology and what is your early career like? Yeah, so I actually started as a programmer developer and I went to, went to school actually studying information system and also marketing. Actually quite relevant what I'm do, doing now. And when I first started, it was really early on client server. I um, work for a company called AMS, consulting firm, and we focus on helping telco to build the collection system. Mm. After AMS... I decided to join another company called Sibo Systems. So Sibo is a CRM company and I work with, again, like very focused on uh, wireless and, and mobile carriers type companies. And basically they use Sibo for, again, for collections and management, uh, managing all their accounts. Um, so if you go to AT and T, I think still even today, if you go to AT and T Wireless and want to buy purchase a service, um, the whole system is Sibo. So I worked with Sibo for about six years. Oracle bought Sibo, so went to Oracle, and the company was just way too big for me. I think when I joined, it was about a hundred thousand people. Just I felt like you know, every single conference call was like 40, 50 people, just too much. Uh, I left Oracle and then went to another enterprise company called Autodesk. Mm. Uh, they make AutoCAD. Yes. So I did 10 years mostly in the spy software and I just felt like you know, life is short and I had a really, really good run. But I also, like I, most of my customers were enterprise and B2B companies. And I didn't really have a connection and felt like I was doing something that I really care about. So I quit my corporate job and completely just sort of like wanting to look for my next thing, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So long story short, basically I wanted to meet other entrepreneurs in San Francisco. And I decided to, in some way, a little bit similar to sort of the SG entrepreneur that you you started, Bernard, and it's called SF Entrepreneur. So I actually started a little meetup group in San Francisco, Um, started with five people. And more or less just talking about oh startups and, and all that. And I realized, oh, I wanted to learn from other people who are investors like Dave McClure, who I work with now, and it's like seven years ago, mm. um, or a lot of other very well-known entrepreneurs to learn from them. So the meetup group grew from five to 10 to 30 to 100, 300, and the largest conference that I put together was 800, mm. called BizTech Day. Yes. Um, just really surrounding things is about 
you know, technology that you know early stage startup people use. So therefore, biz tech, like business technology. Day. So I ran that for about three years. It was really fun, but at the same time, it was actually I, I try to turn into what you're doing now, which is more media focused. But it was tough because at the end of the day, conference businesses is very services space, and that's when I actually met the Dolphin Browser founders. So he was really, really early on with uh, Android phone. Yeah, he he's originally from mainland China. Uh, he showed me Dolphin Browser, and I thought, oh wow, like this is pretty cool. But I didn't use an Android phone then. And he said, oh, I'm looking to hire people. Um, so I met him at my conference. So after that, we sort of continued to meet up for about six months or so. And every time I would basically refer him all the Asian people I know in Silicon Valley. <laughs> And none of them that really worked out. And at the end of it, he said, "You should, you should join us." And I said, "Why would I want to join you?" I mean, as much as I think, you know, like I wasn't sure what I want to do next. I also have a good business going on. So he basically convinced me that by joining him, he will become the next Jerry Young with for mobile browser. Jerry Young is basically the founder of Yahoo. Yahoo. Yeah. They happen to have the same last name, <laughs> and so do I. So. So he said, "You should really join us." And sure enough, after I joined,、um, within three months, we got our first round of funding from Sequoia, and that was actually an amazing experience. Because before that, I worked with big companies that were already either public or like pretty late stage. And Dolphin was really the first early stage startup company that I had the experience to, from pitching from investors to. Launching in a brand new platform, launching in a brand new country, so did many, many of that experience for about four years. So that was sort of my the dolphin really sort of got me into startups and mobile.、Uh, and along the way, because we actually did really well.、Um, so on Android now we have about 150 million install. Wow. Worldwide, 99% Android, and I got the chance to basically run all the user acquisition and partnerships. Um, and along the way, we started to meet other developers, and that's how I actually. So, Right Ventures is sort of my my little sort of side boutique. I use that as like my investment, but it wasn't like a fun. It's more or less for fun. I'm like,、yeah. oh great, like I put little money here and there because I met these developers. I felt like, oh, I can help and make an impact. And some of them we got really lucky because a few years ago it's all about numbers,、mm. um, so we can do that. So yeah, so that's sort of like what leads me、wow. into BizTech, Dolphin, Right Ventures, and if it's not because of all these like serendipity type experience, I was actually telling Dave the other day. I told him I said I think really having the event experience helped me quite a bit now working with 500 startups and also Mobile Collective because I love I love meeting new people and I love bringing people together and hence the word collective. <laughs> Because we look at a lot of deals together.、Mm. Um, I thought、yeah. I also wanted to ask you. So you went from the sell side to the buy side. I mean, this is what people used to think of entrepreneurs and venture capitalists. So now you're on the other side. In that transition, in the transition, what kind of experiences you draw from either side, from being an entrepreneur to now thinking about how to invest in a company?、Mm. I I think in terms of all of us、mm. who went through school. And we are really good and expert in our specific role and specific industry or field, which is all about operating and learning to basically 
either you run your own PNL and be able to have a like, good handle of measuring metrics and hitting goals. The biggest thing that I learned from the last few years, especially being part of Dolphin and now, I guess, on the buy side of things, is all about more, a lot more macro level of looking beyond, other than, okay, understand how to run, you run like an oil machine, right, of, of your own business. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's about much, much bigger macro trends and how you as a company fit into the much bigger pictures of the industry itself. You, I think now if you're saying, oh, I'm going to, mobile obviously is really hot and these days, virtual reality, AI. 20 years ago, you're talking about VR or AI. People were like, what are you talking about? So there is definitely cycle of everything. And how you being a CEO, especially when you're pitching investors, have a good understanding of where you're at in terms of a bit much bigger picture of things. I really didn't have to worry about that at all when I was working so, in a company. So maybe help me to understand a little bit about this 500 mobile collective fund is under 500 startups that's correct and the focus is from what i understand from reading a couple of press releases is supposed to be a 10 million micro fund specifically to early stage companies is that right that's correct so we focus on investing early stage mobile related companies and when i say mobile means in fact it's interesting this morning i messed with some uh, local entrepreneurs and they would ask me what's that mean mobile because everything is mobile these days there's a whole lot of businesses I actually would suggest when you're testing out, let's say you're a marketplace, buy and sell certain things. It's actually a lot harder to build a mobile first company because you can prove out a marketplace without mobile apps, right? And in fact, you probably want to first prove out on web because it's so much easier to build versus let's say you're Uber. There's a lot of on-demand mobile commerce type company. Without mobile, Uber can't run because I won't be able to literally tell them my location and like real-time dispatch to get all these you know, different drivers to like bid for it and be able to tell me how relatively I am versus where they are. And the, the driver literally can't even run without an app. So that to me is a mobile-only company versus if, if I'm uh, like a shopping thing and you know the mobile app is just one of many channel mm. that to me you don't like I can't really help as much mm. having said that um, we launched this microphone mobile collective in November uh, we have invested in about seven companies so far mm. about one a month mm. and I have to say only two out of the sevens are B2C front-end apps. All the other ones are actually more back-end mobile developers type tools to help them to monetize and analytics because I found that a lot of the founders that I met so far having a very, very hard time at least have a good grasp of understanding how to drive install. That's wow. tough. Okay, but I guess usually behind all this there is also an investment thesis. I know you wrote a very interesting blog post called In Mobile We Trust, and you laid out some interesting areas. And I thought you just mentioned a couple of things like you talk about the mobile analytics, you talk about driving mobile usage. Maybe we, talk, we can go into some of those areas that you talk about in your investment thesis. Like for example, what kind of opportunities are you looking at? Maybe for example, specifically in the mobile payment space. Yeah, great question. Let's say mobile payment, there's, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you're interested in 
chatting about Bitcoin. I own a few, mm. but more or less it's just for my own learning experience. Mm. In fact, I should show you. I have um, I don't have it with me right now, but upstairs, I have a, a card called Shift. So they basically tied a debit card, I think powered by Visa, with one of the bank in Japan, which the merchant have don't need to know that the back end is all Bitcoin, but you can actually use a regular card to pay for everything, and yep. they do sort of their own convert, and I can actually change it either with Gowala or mm. various different, you know, wow. um, I can just basically call sh like shifting the source of the fund. Very, very good company. I'm looking at it now. Okay. But I, I think like what's exciting to me with Bitcoin. The main thing for me is more for a foreign exchange, yes. the forest part of it. And in many ways, I think it's exciting because why do the bank still have to charge so much money for all the transaction fees or if everything is basically moving is just electronic, but digit. Mm. There's no real physical things moving from your pocket to my pocket if you decided to do it if you're purely like e-banking, mm. right? This is interesting because I have also seen a couple of what I call digital remittances companies. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's mainly tied not to Bitcoin, the currency itself, but more towards the blockchain protocol yep. that's associated with the Bitcoin. Yep. So underlying people are using this in emerging countries, for example, a company called Bitdex and then a company called Coins.ph, where they actually yep. do pesos, which is Philippines currency, yep. and then they convert it to the block. Bitcoin and then they transfer it and then turn it out into Indonesian rupiah. Yep. For example. Yep. I love it. I love it. And plus, I think like the blockchain technology, Bitcoin or Ripple, which mm. is another. There's many, many, many of like very similar. There is mm. based on the the fundamental of blockchain. Mm. And but I, I have to say, like I'm not it's like the most savvy Bitcoin blockchain expert mm. from a technology point of view. But what I am excited about is thinking through in, from the remittance, foreign exchange, or even just m moving the, all the different use cases for moving money from one place to another. Mm. There's so much room for improvement. And I think that it's exciting to see the bank uh, getting really scared. <laughs> just, just like how you know, Uber, of course, like having so much lawsuit around the world fighting against the, the taxi, you know, union and medallion. I think there's going to be very similar things going to happen. Although having said that, in the, in the U.S. lately, uh, Bitcoin as sort of as a domain, you don't hear as much news. But I think on the back end, there's a lot of a lot of folks are lobbying the government. I thought that. that it was quite interesting that Vikram Pandit, the former CEO of Citibank and uh -huh. NYSE funded Coinbase uh -huh. in the recent round. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think there's some general ex reluctant acceptance into the Bitcoin. Yeah. But I guess there's also other areas you talk about, for example, in the mobile content, specifically mobile content space. What do you see in that space? under your investment thesis so so by the way i wrote this particular mm. thesis in mobile with trust about seven months ago there are also already a lot of changes in wow this. okay uh, so please we chat again every three months mm. because there's a lot of movement but back to the whole content mm. i would love to see a mobile news app that run well in the u.s and i said that because there's two countries so I try to do more and more is really look at cross-border. Um, mm. And I, I don't think it, I, you definitely see there's a, a lot of interesting technology uh, coming from Silicon Valley, but there's a lot of interesting application 
that I felt like there's not enough mass in the U.S. to really make it work. So mobile news, there's two apps that I'm really looking at. One in China called Jinyu Toutiao. Yes. And another one called Smart News Out of Japan. Yes. Both of these are running really, really well. And in, in fact, the monthly ARPU is quite high. If I don't quote me on it, but mm. I want to say at least a dollar or two dollar per month for active That's users. That's very high. Yeah. And you don't quite see that in the states. And of course, I think in the U.S. is in terms of copyright is quite complicated. But I really, really would love to invest and. You know, see a team that do well in the U.S. Really learning from the Asian model.、Mm. I know some of these teams are thinking about going to the U.S., but I do think that in terms of news, especially around operating, you need local talent to、yep. understand what's relevant or not. That's right. Yeah. So on the content side, but when I wrote this post around content, I was also in my head is around music, video, a whole bunch of other sort of. Entertainment-related things that you can consume,、mm-hmm. and particular in video. Well, even in, even in the last eight months, you heard about companies like Meerkat,、yep. or Periscope. There is actually a China version of it. Long、oh. time ago, two of them. One is called YY. The other one is Six Rooms.、Mm-hmm. And those are all live videos.、Um, YY, in fact, is a public company、um, on Nasdaq. I think it's worth like. Three point three, three point four billion. They monetize really well.、Yep. So I on I, chat as in on chat、oh、gaming、yeah. chats. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, so there's a lot of things that I basically kind of going back and forth, and even with video, right? As、mm. you said, gaming like Twitch.、Mm. Why why is like Twitch of of、mm. China? They monetize、ah. very in a very different. So I, I can definitely see there's a lot of really exciting content、mm. that's all around real time. Coming out for mobile. Okay, but then what about mobile commerce? This is something that's very interesting in Southeast Asia. I mean,、yeah. one of the companies was funded by Sequoia called Caruso. Yeah, Caruso. Yeah. Yeah. I am particularly, as I mentioned earlier when we were chatting,、mm. I am very interested in any mobile on-demand commerce app,、mm. which means that. Is all about real-time transaction,、mm. and there's like three or four areas I'm particularly interested in, which is things that you and I have to use every day. We always have to eat. We always have to sort of at least move from your house to your office. Yeah. In in the Chinese word, you you will hear Chinese, right? We will hear Chinese.、Uh, yes. Okay. A Chinese will be 衣食住行，国语就是衣食衣食住行 Correct. These are the four most important things、yeah. in life. All of us have to. Think about it every day. Keep ourselves healthy. Eat the good, good stuff. We have to live somewhere. So all these, I think, will drive a lot of the mobile on-demand commerce. Carousel is again also Sequoia Bank. Really awesome companies, and that is another type of commerce that's all around breaking down and unbundling Craigslist.、Mm. So Craigslist, if you look at Craigslist. Uh, they make a lot of money from job posting, buying and selling,、yep. selling cars, finding room, and so you can see more and more apps sort of break down from Craigslist, and Carousel is one of them. Yep. How、uh, about healthcare then? This is a very interesting area because I came from that era in the genome sequencing era, and、yeah. I know genome sequencing in the last decade has already gone by Moore's law, two orders of magnitude. So、mm-hmm. it's about. Um, just to give you a number, it was about one million about ten, fifteen years ago. Now it has reached down to a thousand dollars per genome. But of course, there's also mobile healthcare where you want to get patients' data. I think Apple has pioneered a lot. So where、yeah. do you see in the mobile healthcare that there is a space to actually go into? 
Yeah, I, I think with HealthKit and also there's a lot of people talking about the electronic medical record, EMR. I don't know, like I actually, healthcare is the one area where I have the least expertise. Mm. So whenever that there is area where I'm not as familiar with, in fact, I, I should probably call you up. Because <laughs> each of these areas, there are people who are a lot more, exp like I, what I'm actually on the collective side, what we call collective is, because we want to look at, bring mobile experts to look at things together with us. I think with mobile and, well, especially with Fitbit, just, just gone IPO, now worth billions and billions of dollars. There's obviously a lot of data around EMS or just on a day-to-day -day basis to tracking all kind of different data from your body. Mm. But I think what exactly are you going to do with this data? That and be able to sort of tie back to like get it right and ready for the doctors to make good use of it. Mm. Or even there are actually Uber for doctors, yep. you know? And be able to tie these data with the actual, be able to make it relevant. I felt like there's a lot of things in between mm. that is not exactly there. Okay. But what exactly are some of the innovation around it other than the Uber for doctors or having these records and be able to monetize it or make it available for doctors and hospitals? Those are all more high level things. Mm. I have not mm. seen anything that at least for me, I'm like excited about, oh my mm. God, like this is the holy grail of, yeah. I haven't seen anything around mm. that. And I look for somebody tell me, hey, great, like we pick, I, I think the next one will probably pick either very specific areas, or use cases, either for a certain age group mm. or certain kind of disease, mm. and be able to really nail it with one type of use case and then be able to spread. I see. You sort of like targeting a niche area adjacent to it and subsequently able to spread it out. That's correct. Like, like what Amazon did earlier with books, for example. Yep. So what about, I saw the part on ad network and monetization. I mean, we know about ad mob being acquired by Google about four or five years ago, and then there were a lot of mobile ad networks. In fact, my failed startup was based on location-based mobile ad networks. Hmm. So I'm kind of wondering, what are you looking at in the next generation of mobile ad networks in that? Or is it, is it an area that you're still looking into? I am fascinated by it and I read a really good study around how in terms of ad dollars spent mm. on TV versus mobile mm. and how much money that people spend on TV and how much time that uh, time spent on TV and mobile. Uh, so they definitely time spent is closing in. Yep. But dollar spent is not closing in yet oh. because most of the bigger like media type advertiser that is mostly for just views and CPM type, they're still not quite getting the, I guess, benefit from mobile because it doesn't convert as well yet. I know for a fact that there will be a lot more money pouring into it, but unfortunately, I think that mobile advertising as an industry is less about technology, more about B2B sales. Wow, okay, that's fundamental. I have met folks that their technology may not be 100%, mm. but because they came from the advertising world, they have all the relationship. Yep. So if you're purely talking about, oh, like media buy type on mobile, I mean, there's, it, it really depends on like mm. what, which focus like agree, the, the startup is on. Yep. I, I, found, I found that most of the, the company who've done well so far, they have previous Mm. You know, advertising experience, so they just sell like crazy. I see. Can they deliver is a different thing. Okay. But but if you're talking about uh, more CPI or CPA type, mm. then 
then of course like like game developers uh, in fact Google just bought a company last week yep. uh, around playable ads I forgot the name of the company but there's a handful of company around the world doing that and yeah that's an interesting technology and in that Google I don't think like they pay a fortune for it because there's a handful of people doing it and at the end of the day that company was still trying to do the same thing with all the game developers it's like oh buy, buy my ad CPI because it convert better but so what mm. but okay which comes yeah. to you just brought up a very good point about mobile gaming so most gaming companies seems to produce one-hit wonders like yeah Hollywood Studios I yeah. mean you've got Candy Crush it King for example what kind of companies interest you in mobile gaming? None. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the because I'm not interested. I I play Candy Crush mm-hmm. and I have a lot of free time. I think that gaming is still a very hit driven mm. companies. It's not because I'm I'm well aware that still high percentage, maybe even like 90% of the revenue on mobile mm. go directly because of mobile gaming. Mm. But the hard part, I think, being a very successful mobile game that is not a one-hit wonder, is all about the team and the way to operate the game. Means the good ones, especially more multiplayer, it's all about how do you actually run campaign. Okay, like Christmas, New Year, mm. you continue to give them like free coins, like mm. virtual goods, so mm. they have reason to buy. Um, it's all about marketing operations. I see. So I don't actually care that much I mean, if you think about it, you know, a really well-known game, which is Snap, Snap Peep. Yep, that's right. Yeah, Bird. It's so ugly, and, and in that sense, it's all mobile advertising. It's all about, you know, daily active and mm. monthly active. So, and of course, like, they shut down as well. And so, like, if you don't get the top 10 Clash of Clans, Candy Crush, they're just super, super good mm. at... You know, playing the psychology and be able to A/B test like crazy, and to be able to give you different type of offer. If you don't, if you buy less, I can show you more ads. If mm. I buy more, I continue to get to buy coins. That's right. So you actually have dual ever uh, business models that actually are asymmetrical to each other. Mm-hmm. So when one is more, you just focus on one business model, and the yeah. other you just focus a lot more on transactions. Yeah, and and I think a lot of app developers should learn from gaming game developers because totally they're so good at it. Yeah, they're so good. It's like it's, it's, it is a science, mm. but I think that is it's all other people. If those people leave and go do something else, there's no company. That's right. And I think it count too much on the marketing ops folks. And again, like I, I was talking to a couple of who done really well. They they see it not necessarily like a movie. They see it like a like a soap opera. Really. Mm, and if they do well, they could last for two or three years. But I would say I would say the shelf life, maximum maybe two or three years. That's about. Okay. That. But- which comes to the last two areas, I thought was very interesting. You mentioned it at the start of the interview that you have funded them, which is mobile developer tools and the enterprise space. And I think you have invested in seven companies. Uh, that I think there's, there's only two was B2C and the rest is B2B. So what right. is in the developers tool and enterprise space that is so interesting that you are now looking so, yeah, so, so much there's, into? There's a co- couple companies that I really like. Uh, mm. One is called Mobile Action. And the reason why we invested in it because Dolphin uses it. I would say they're like a little mini app Annie, okay. uh, but with the emphasis on App Store SEO. Oh. So with App Store SEO, let's say start with iOS. Again, it depends on what sort of app. All these 
key terms, it doesn't matter like the app title, description, yeah. or all the tagging. Sometimes it's seasonal. So, for example, U.S. Actually, I, even though I've been living in the States for 20 years, I really don't care about my American football. Mm. But Super Bowl is a big thing. Yep. And whenever like that season comes, there's more people who are like looking for scores, scores or uh, draft or I have no idea. Like all these. It's kind of like Twitter, but you within when people converge within a certain events, you converge your SEO within a certain event. Definitely. It's Definitely. like you know Singapore, they have this S350. So every e-commerce business, any web mm. business, all converge within that. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. So, so, and definitely it's country-based, mm. uh, seasonal based. Mobile action actually suggests work based mm. on, wow. based on like seasons and like your competitive apps and super awesome, like a really, really cool tools. I highly recommend it. So mobile action is one. Um, I also invest in a couple others, sort of in mm. stealth mode right now. Okay. Uh, also around monetization, basically give App developer more option to monetize. Mm. They're not ready for prime time, okay. so I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. Uh, there's another one that they're half enterprise, half B2C. Mm. And also, one of my favorite companies called Andios. Then mm. the first, very first investment I've done, and is actually almost like VMware, but for Android apps. So you can actually run all the Android app on Mac and PC. Oh. So imagine. So the B2C portion of it is, imagine that you're playing Clash of Clans. Why do I have to suck in the small, even the fablet is not big enough. You can actually play the, the, on, oh. on PC. So it's kind of like creating the virtual screen right onto my PC. That's correct. Wow. Performance really, really good. Mm. Um, they have around a year old, 7 million installs, 60% daily active. Mm. Um, and then, but the enterprise side of it is games, uh, doesn't matter game or all the Android developers, imagine if you can project that, yep. you can also do development against that. Correct. So you don't have to buy all kinds of screens, so you can actually do mobile testing. Right, so they also that. help like, because particularly Android is so fragmented, so they can try with so many screen sizes, but mm. all on the desktop. Basically. That's right, that's right. Wow. Uh, really, really awesome tools. Mm. So, yeah, and they're I, very good team. I actually wanted to ask a little bit about in the mobile enterprise space. Do you see a lot more B2B apps and or a lot more B2C apps in sort of the space now? Which is because mm. you say that you look you seem to see a lot more interesting things coming in the B2B's yeah. space. So I think all the CIOs are pretty unsure what's going on. Because mm. <laughs> regardless, you and I is still gonna bring my own phone and yeah. start talking about work-related things or um, can set up your enterprise email off of your iPhone and if things get lost and you know a lot of data that goes goes to that so in the US there's a few companies that is particular more like a container so companies like good technology Mokana mobile iron airwatch airwatch got bought by VMware these are companies basically do to sort of enterprise type fulfillment so if you open your iPhone they have like a little Mm. app yep mobile and then it will op open it up and actually give you like emails like special emails or special browser or mm. special chat yeah. although even nobody uses it mm. so so the idea is that if you lost your phone i can do remote wipes yeah. so i don't have to worry about that you're losing even though it's your personal phone or if you leave the companies i don't have to take your phone away i can just you know manage on my it side mm. i think that there will be more and more uh, I, I mentioned earlier, there's four things mm. 
which I know some of these guys already develop their own, but the user experience is not good enough. And just to start with, Slack is an awesome example. That's right. Messaging for business, but done correctly. And I can see around email, but in a more enterprise-friendly way, because right now there is a lot of, you know, like just more for B2C. Email browser, something that I worked on before, a lot of these enterprise companies and say, hey, can you give me a intranet-friendly, encrypted, and secure browser for us, just for the company? I see. Other than that, last but not least is around calendar and uh, to-do, and Microsoft actually bought one of the company. Sunrise. Yeah, Sunrise. That's a few months ago. So, so that you will see a lot more sort of enterprise space, like now sort of eating in this prosumer type enterprise app and, and sort of integrate more on like the back end. Mm. So for your 500 mobile collective fund, do you focus on the US or to the world? To the world, although so far most of the investment I've done are in the US. I have a really awesome partner out from Malaysia, which is Kylie mm-hmm. um, Durian. And Kylie and I do have a lot of conversation around like what else more we can do together. I would love to definitely invest more mobile commerce on-demand type apps mm-hmm. here in Southeast Asia. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, the other one, one other interesting question I thought I wanted to ask was also B2B and B2C situation, which actually is a very common problem that you actually brought it up very well. It's about driving app on stalls. So what are your thoughts? I mean, a lot of people develop apps. I mean, even big companies develop apps. And yeah. I, I think even as a digital executive myself, I always try to tell everyone who's thinking of going to mobile, please have a spare budget to focus on driving and yep. installs. Yep. How do you actually help companies to be able to come up with a couple of hacks to deal with app installs, driving that, that usage? Yeah. Then? I think the number one hack everybody don't pay enough attention is absolutely App Store SEO. Number one. Because mm. most people don't pay enough attention and mm. don't realize that it is like SEO. You have to tweak, continue to tweak it. That's number one. After that, I think... It, again, it depends on the type of category of apps. So I'm more bullish on the on-demand commerce mm. because there are real transaction and real dollar, right? So I'll be able to pretty much early on, even though let's say a few thousand, let's say within our own network, we know mm. a few thousand people, and then be able to start to see, okay, if I drive a hundred install, it's almost a little bit like gaming, yep. right? I pay X for 100 installs, and I know maybe only, let's say, 3% really convert, mm. right? But that 3%, they are going to take three or five Uber ride every day. So they drive enough transaction volume that I can do a really, really clear math that, okay, I'm willing to pay 50 cents per install. Because I know even though it's only 3% convert, I can afford to do that. Obviously, if you're so early on without even a product, and I don't necessarily suggest that you start buying install, but no matter what kind of app, long term, if you want to be successful, you need to understand this metrics and math, all about conversion from install to active user, active user to pay to transaction. Once you figure out that math, it is just a cycle. Yep. It is all about buying. But of course, I would also always suggest folks to think about PR. Mm. PR does help. It depends on what, what kind of 
user you're going after. So for Dolphin, we get coverage from TechCrunch before. That doesn't really mean anything because that doesn't drive install. But let's say if we got written up by Lifehacker, mm. then a lot of people who care about productivities, that we can definitely see is shoot up um, every time we get coverage from, wow. from people who actually write about us, but it's super relevant and focused okay. uh, with a target audience. So a lot of try and error. There's definitely like the free part to it, but I think that all the app developer eventually will have to learn to pay. It's just fact of life. Mm. There's like one company that I'm. It's not public yet, but it was a food delivery. It's not food delivery. They actually have their own commercial kitchen mm. out of San Francisco that I will be putting money in. Mm. We're probably going to do an announcement later this week, mm. and they've been around for 12 weeks. And 12 weeks, and they're delivering about 100 to 200 meals a day. Mm. And their, tr their install base is actually quite low. Like low to me means maybe less than 100,000. Mm. But they already have transaction volume. Wow. So to me, sometimes it's not early on, it's not even millions. Like don't have millions in install, but we're not transactional, so we have a very different way of monetization. Mm. But for that app, even if it's such a small install base, they can drop so much volume. So I'm a lot happy to see that than the so 10 million. So you're saying that the niche is more important because the early adopters drive higher uh, lifetime value of yeah. the customer. Yeah, I actually have a metric. Uh, I didn't develop it. It's, uh, Flurry have mm. a really good metrics of showing and basically retention rate mm. and then also the frequency of use mm. and by category of apps. So let's say for example, if you have communication and Facebook type app, mm. of course, three months later, we should still be using it on a regular basis, right? right. So I expect everything just up and up mm. versus I say a dating app. Initially, you should be opening it every day, but if the dating app is doing a good job, three months later, I should not be using it anymore. That's right. <laughs> right? So. It really depends on what you're trying to do. And then it's not purely just volume, volume, volume. Is at the end of the day, when I'm talking to a developers, is their interpretation and the process of analyzing what is important and what's not. Mm. That's more important than, hey, I'm just going to tell you, I actually have a, tomorrow I'm going to talk, mm. or, uh, Ishalon, I'm talking about all startup metrics mm. and, and all that. I'll give you like 20 things but I'm not saying that you need to be great at all 20 things. Mm. You just need to be super conscious about, yes, at this stage, my app is important to focus on this mm. and that. And there is a lot of free tools around it, but you have to pick and choose what's right. So I definitely put a link to that startup talk. I presume ah. it's going to be on SlideShare, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll send yeah, it yeah. to you. Okay, so I think we come to this part of it. So, Edith, tell my audience, how can they find you? I'm very, very easy to find. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter. So my full name, Edith Young, mm. E-D-I-T-H-Y-E-U-N-G. Uh, if you shoot me an email, it's just edith at 500.co, 500.co. Mm. Okay, cool. And you can find me at bleongcw at bernardleong.com or subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia, or analyzeasia.com. We are found in SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And please give us a rating one star to five star and we're always ready for feedback and once again Edith thank you for coming on the show yeah thank you Bernard